Welcome to the MMA Fam Podcast. I'm Blake Harrison and joining me today through the mystical, magical waves of the internet, which are created by tiny little elves that float around <laughs> in space, <laughs> is... I'm Stu Whiffin. This is the third take of trying to do this little intro. Every time we've done it, you've added moron and you've gone more wizardy gobliny as you've done it as well. Yeah, I think m- moron is the correct phrase there. Yeah, but um, but welcome to the show, everyone. Um, today we have a fantastic guest for you. We have Angela Overkill Hill, who was just so wonderful, super nice charismatic as well and she's just such a phenomenal athlete in the cage as well we were very very lucky to get her on the show oh she was absolutely delightful and and before we get on with that interview um what i want to say is as well if this is your first time listening to the podcast then once you get to the end of this episode with angela then go and check out the back catalogue because i think by the time this one comes out you'll be able to listen to episodes with uh, Molly McCann, Arnold Allen, Jack Shaw, Jojo Calderwood, uh, a little-known fighter called Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, uh, loads, loads and loads and loads. And they're just the fighters. If you you like your kind of um, TV sort of celebrity types, we've got interviews with them as well, doing the fight-or-flight feature. There's a whole load of stuff in the back catalogue that you can get stuck into. But don't go there yet, because what we've got coming up is amazing today. Yes, it is. We've got Angela Hill, as we said. And before we go on to that, we want to tell you about our, our lovely, lovely sponsors, uh, Free Train, who have made these fantastic vests for you to to go running in, to do your training in, to, to hit the bag in. Uh, it's a vest that you can stick your phone in. It keeps it close to your chest. You can just open up this little pocket, easy access to your phone couple of pockets and stuff for your keys and all of that no more do you need to have your phone rumbling around in your pocket as you run or a weird angle on your arm using one of those weird strap things free train vest is exactly what you need if you're someone that keeps fit goes running hits the bag any of that stuff they are brilliant and uh if you use the code mma fan on the free train website which is www.freetrain.com then you will get a cool 10 percent off so uh, there you go, you lucky things. Don't say we don't spoil you. That's it. The code is MMA fan, and you can use that at freetrain.com to get your vests and uh, keep listening to our podcasts while you run and hit the bag. It's perfect. It comes full circle. Absolutely. And if we've not spoiled you enough, then, well, we're about to. Please enjoy today's episode with the wonderful Angela Hill. Hey. <laughs> How's Hello. it going? Good. How are you guys? Yeah, well, all right. Well, really all right. good. Thanks. Uh, are you? Cool. You good? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. What time is it over there? Um, it's ten, so it's not too early. It's Sunday, not so I usually early. I usually sleep in on Sundays as my rest day, but uh, yeah, it's not too early. Nice. <laughs> oh, good. So today's not a gym day. Today's just a nice rest day for you. Yeah, I get to chill all day. Um, play with my dog and. My husband a little bit, you know. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, nice. Because hey, you're a big gamer as well, aren't you? You play a lot of computer games and stuff. I do, but you know what? I haven't um, recently. After like, I, I'm one of those people who got a dog during quarantine, and so like ah. he's kind of like taking up all my time. Like I'm just like trying to make sure he's not like shitting on the floor and <laughs> you know yeah. like taking him to dog parks and stuff. So that's been really fun. So I actually haven't really been gaming that much since i got the dog so that welcome to my world my dog is two children but yeah. you know it's the same principle <laughs> they get they get in the way of that gaming they yeah, really do yeah they look at you with those eyes and they like go you know and you're just like, <laughs> oh, fuck okay let's go play you know <laughs> we're really thrilled that we're getting to uh, have a chat with you today um Angela, we always like to start the conversations off by just kind of going back to the, the, the more formative years and just asking how you got into mixed martial arts? Um, so it's kind of a lame story. Um, I started training with my husband. We both we just gotten married, and we were 
playing video games, eating pizza every day. We both had uh, jobs where we were just sitting down all day. Like I was working in an animation studio. And he was working at a um, an art gallery. So we we're just kind of sitting on our ass all day. And then eventually I was like, yeah, you know, I want to learn how to defend myself. I think it would be a fun way to get it back in shape and um, my husband was down too, and we went to our first Muay Thai class and just fell in love with it. Like I, the first time I threw an elbow on the pads, I was just like, oh my God, I am so powerful. And I was like super skinny <laughs> back then. Like, like now I have like little muscles or whatever. But back then I was rake thin, like my arms were really skinny, like Angelina Jolie's. And, uh, <laughs> and um, when, when I started throwing punches and kicks at things, I, I just felt really powerful all of a sudden, like first time in my life. So that was, that was the thing that sparked the interest. And at that point I had no interest in fighting other people. I just liked the fact that I was getting stronger and getting in shape and, and I look good in a bikini, you know? Um, but then eventually my coach asked me if I wanted to fight and I was like, well, if you think I'm good enough. And he's like, well, we'll see, you know, so, <laughs> we'll see you get messed up or, uh, you know, you do great. And luckily I did really well. I fought, um, I did this tournament where, you go and you have a bunch of fights in one day. And I ended up winning two fights that night. And um, from then on, I, I just kept fighting and I kept having Muay Thai fights and kept winning. And I got a few knockouts. And around the time that I was, I guess, wondering what the next step was going to be, that's when the UFC announced that they were bringing in straw weights, which was like five pounds heavier than what I was fighting at. Um, and they were like, okay, we're going to bring in the 115 pound weight class and we're going to do it through a season of tough. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll go try out and make some connections and show face and they'll see me for later after I have a few more fights. And then I ended up getting on the show. So that's, that's kind of how my, how my career started in MMA. I mean, I've got so many questions <laughs> on that alone. And yeah. so first of all, um, before we get on to, uh, getting into to, to tough um those first Muay Thai fights I mean you've now walked out into some of the biggest arenas in the world to fight at the highest level uh, and I can't imagine and I'll, I'm sure we'll get around to asking you about the pressure that that comes with that but how was you with them early Muay Thai fights knowing that this wasn't pads this wasn't sparring with your, your friends this was someone that was you know, theoretically trying to take your head off and, and you were yeah. meant to be doing the same. You know, had you ever growing up, was you comfortable with confrontation or was it something that was quite alien to you? Mm, I hated confrontation. I still do. Like if, if there's a way for me to ease a situation, then that's the path that I take. So I never, I never liked fighting or arguments or anything like that. And um, I don't know. I feel like that's one of the reasons why training to become a fighter was so fun for me because it was just something totally, totally different from anything that I actually wanted to do in real life. Um, so, so yeah, it was definitely interesting going in there and just being in a scrap and, and actually like trying to take the other person's head off because when you're in there, you're, you're just doing all or nothing. Like there's no holding back. There's no uh, going easy on the other person because they're trying to murder you. So if they could, if they could murder you <laughs> in the fight, they would. You know, luckily there's referees there to make sure that it doesn't go that far. But um, that's what you have to do to win. So one thing that my coach said to me before my first fight that really prepared me was that you know you you have great technique, but when you get in there all the techniques going to go out the window. The person with the best cardio is going to win the fight oh. because you, this is your first fight. Like you both suck. Like basically that's what he was telling me. Like <laughs> you both suck at this point of your careers. So just be the more in shape person and you'll win the fight. So I was running, I was sprinting as much as I could. Uh, I would go as hard as I could on, on the heavy bag, as hard as I could on pad work. And that prepared me well. So the fight looks, when I look at the fight now, I'm like, oh my God, like it looks like it's going half speed. We're both just like lactic acid and our muscles just going, ah, ah, ah. 
But um, at the time, I was really proud of myself because I was like, yeah, Peter S. And, uh, and you know, every fight that you have, you get better, you keep improving. And and even, like, my first UFC fights, I look back at, you know, like, the ones that I won, and I'm like, ugh, like, I could have I could have finished her there. I could have, I shouldn't have uh, gotten taken down there and stuff like that. So, um, so it's funny looking back at, uh, at how how I approach fighting and looking back at like how I actually looked compared to what I thought I looked like (laughs) at the time. Like I thought I looked really cool, but, um, but yeah, fighting is just like such a, such an odd thing to do, especially when it's planned out. Like if a fight pops off in the middle of a bar, then that's a lot more natural than saying, Hey, I'm going to go to this place and fight you in three weeks. And then you're just sitting there three weeks <laughs> for three weeks, like, oh, God, you know. Um, so, yeah. Fighting. It was bad enough at school when someone said, I'm going to meet you outside exactly. in like two hours. I'm sorry, that was nerve wracking enough for me. I always <laughs> ran the other way. But I'm not getting involved in this. There you go. There you go. So, that's like an experience everyone knows. Like, just uh, uh, multiply that by weeks, you know? Yeah. Like, that 30 minutes waiting for the bell to ring is is so hard it it feels so long and that's kind of how waiting for a fight feels like but um but yeah it was fun like i i enjoyed it my first fight i enjoyed it and and i kept doing it (laughs) i'm still interested in the like the 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 mindset change between like what you're saying you're working in an animation studio your (laughs) husband's working in an art gallery yeah flash forward a few years and you're a professional fighter i mean i imagine you've got a very eclectic group of friends because like you must have like you if you had if you had a barbecue have you got like one group of people that are in like berets and pashminas and the other guys are like really jacked in like tank tops and stuff like, like how does how does that even work how it just seems like such a huge shift yeah it was it was a stupid huge shift and um uh, it was fun when I was living in New York because then all my art friends were there and my Muay Thai friends. But when I moved to California, now it's mostly just MMA people that I hang yeah. out with. <laughs> so I lost touch of my roots, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's just funny. Like uh, one one reason I do like social media is because I can stay in touch with all those people that I knew in my past lives, I like to call it. So like people who knew me in high school where I was like super quiet and, and like just that shy girl that never talked to anyone. And then like people in art school who knew me, it was like kind of the same deal, but like, they're like, Oh yeah. The, she went and did animation. She had that cool project that we saw in, in their uh, senior show. And then people who knew me from Muay Thai and now people who know me from MMA, because like the Muay Thai and the MMA community is kind of different too. Like Muay Thai, they're, they're a little more, uh, they're a little more, um, how you say it, just kind of, just full of themselves. <laughs> <laughs> they they think they they think they're like yeah, I don't know, just like the creme de la creme of martial arts. Muay Thai people do, and then you have the MMA fighters who are a little more, uh, a little more down to earth, uh, a little more like bru- brutish. But um, but yeah, everyone kind of comes from these different areas like wrestling and MMA and boxing they all come together and and then you get this good mix of people but um yeah if if you ever join a gym just know you're not just going to be surrounded by uh jocks like you join a martial arts gym it's it's going to be mostly nerds really like (laughs) like a lot of unless it's Muay Thai and then they're all going to be snobs or something yeah nerd (laughs) snobs there's a little bit of both With, yeah. with, with that in mind, Angela, the, 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 the multitude of disciplines that you just mentioned there, you said that, you know, you saw that there was, you know, trials or auditions, I don't know what, 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 what they refer to it as, to get into tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously you're competing at a high level of Muay Thai there and you think, right, I want to have a bit of this. this. This looks good. Had you done BJJ, had you wrestled, had you done anything other than Muay Thai when you sort of went for this, this, this tough gig? Uh, yeah, but not nearly enough. Like, um, I, I feel, I felt a lot more confident in my, my take down the fence and my BJJ skills before I fought someone who's, (laughs) who who was also one of, uh, I guess like a a lot of girls in the gym 
uh, who become the best chick in the gym. If you don't have other girls there who are at your level, then you, then you just become kind of cocky yeah. and you think that you can beat everyone. Like you're beating up the guys, uh, you're beating up any girl who comes through and then you think, oh, well, if I, if I fight a girl, like it'll definitely be easier than beating up the guys. But you're fighting a girl like that from different parts of the world. So, so it, there was a little bit of a, of humbling after my first couple of fights, my first couple of MMA fights, um, where I just realized, okay, I do have a lot to work on, and I've only I've only hit the tip of the iceberg when it comes to uh, even striking. Like I, I thought I knew everything there was about striking, but there was a lot that I had to learn about um, just MMA striking. The fact that the gloves are smaller, so so if you block like this, you're still going to get punched, <laughs> you know, cause the glove yeah. will like go right through the guard. Um, moving, moving your footwork has to be a little different. So you're not getting taken down every two seconds. And then uh, obviously with like wrestling and BGJ, there's a wealth of things that I didn't know yet. Um, so I had been training a, a little bit with those things. And before I went to tough, I did, I did a really, a, a really in-depth, um, just, I guess, MMA wrestling uh, training with a coach in North Carolina before I went on tough. So, so I had the basics and I knew, I kind of knew what I had to do when it came to defending and going for my own takedowns. But it, it's like anything, you, you start to scratch the surface, but there's so much more that you have to learn. So even if you show good potential, it might not mean that I can go into a wrestling match with like Carlos Farza and win. So like, that's kind of, that was kind of like what I learned on top is that, okay, you got a lot to learn and you do have potential. And I was doing well against uh, my teammates on the show. And, but it's something that you don't really see as a fan, but I was hanging with my teammates. I was like beating them in certain positions and beating them on the mats as well as like in the striking department. So I, I knew, even though I lost that first fight on tough, I knew that my potential was there and I'm hanging with people who have been, been fighting for years longer than me. So just keep working, just keep working, keep improving and I'll be there eventually. So the fact that you did unfortunately lose your first fight against Carla Esparza who <laughs> went on to win the whole thing. So yeah, it wasn't too bad in hindsight, yeah. but the fact that that happened and then you were then, I suppose, you didn't have a fight to necessarily look forward to. You were just part of the team. Was that in the end a positive experience because you were able to kind of treat it as a learning experience rather than a competition? Um, yeah, I, I was still, technically I was still 1-0 in MMA. So I wasn't too too upset about it. And I, for the first time, I had been training with uh, UFC fighters, with Invicta fighters, um, with people who I was kind of fangirling over. <laughs> I'm training wow, with yeah. them now. So, so it was really cool. And for the first time, I was training with women who were as skilled or better than me. And it's a huge difference. Like when you're training with a guy, like it's easy to make excuses when you're not doing well. Like, oh, he's stronger than me or, oh, oh he's he's like muscling through everything. Or, or if that was a chick, I, that move would have worked. But if you do something to a girl who's in your weight class, who's, you know, who you could potentially fight and it doesn't work, you're like, okay, it's not because she's stronger or bigger or faster. It's because I'm not doing the technique right. So it, it's, a really good way to check yourself but it's also a good way to see what actually does work so when I'm like suddenly like taking people down and stuff when it was really hard to take down the guys at my at my other gym where they're all really good wrestlers then I'm like oh okay so the stuff that I was doing is working I just have to keep getting those reps in with uh with girls who are good that are going to challenge me and uh, I think that's one thing that's led to a lot of great female fights is the fact that these girls are suddenly like finding each other and training together. Like you have like the girls at top team, you have a lot of uh, girls in Colorado who are all training together too. And then we have a big group out here in San Diego and, and like guys, they don't understand how lucky they have it. Like it's such a big difference <laughs> to, to train with a bunch of girls who are good and, and I, I like to use the example of um, like, imagine, 
imagine a flyweight fighter only having like light heavyweights to train with. Like they're, they're never going to get the right looks. They're yeah. never going to understand what they're good at and what they're bad at. And then you end up kind of going into the fight blind. And with uh, being able to train with a lot of women, I feel like it's it's really allowed me to develop a lot faster than I would have if I was just training with guys the entire time. Uh, you, you, you spoke so much there about the kind of developing the sort of physical side of your skill set. Mm. Um, just looking at sort of the, the more recent years of, you know, and, and seeing you fighting at such a high level, I'm just interested in what your approach is to, you know, to, to camp and to fights uh, and leading up to, you know, the, the last part of this question to be, you know, you, what you do at that last minute before you get the call and then you walk out, like how, what's your sort of, what's your routine and what's your sort of, what do you do to prepare yourself mentally for, for these sort of things? Just for that last moment or the whole, like... I, I, get, I, I guess, yeah. I mean, if we could just focus, I suppose, mainly on, like, you know, the, 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 the day of the fight. Mm, the day of the fight. Um, the day of the fight, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky one. I've had a couple of days of the fights that didn't... <laughs> that started off, I had a fight, and then no more. So, <laughs> so I've been in that situation a lot this year. Um, but I think the day of the fight, you, you wake up, hopefully you have a good night's rest. Um, usually the weight cut, you don't really sleep. So you go, you probably pass out at like 8, 8 PM, wake up pretty early. And then you feel like nice and refreshed, ready to go. Um, I like to, I like to do a shakeout, which is just like a little workout right in the morning before the nerves start building up because for me like a, a lot of times I can't eat breakfast if if I'm too nervous I can't um I can't just like relax because I'll keep getting those butterflies like those heart pains like you're like you're on a roller coaster so if I work out real quick just a quick little like reminder that I'm strong. I'm ready. I'm fast. My, my body's recovered from the weight cut because you feel like shit when you cut weight. You're just everything you do. You're like, <laughs> so it's good to have that reminder. Hey, hey, we're back. We got water in our body and, and we can hit hard again. We can we can sprawl hard. We're grappling really good and fast. So we do a quick workout, like maybe a 30 minute workout in the morning. And then my nerves are settled for for pretty much until we leave to the arena. So I can eat, I can relax, I can hang out with my with my team. I might watch some highlights of, uh, of my opponent's fight or I might watch some highlights of a fighter that I really admire and, and just be like, okay, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> I'm gonna do that to that yeah. person uh, when I get there. And then on the way to the arena, I'll, I'll have my little playlist that I play, like my little hype playlist that, to keep me like, you know, amped and, and feeling good and feeling confident. And then when we get there, it's kind of a, it's kind of a blur. So you get. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You probably have to do like a, a drug test or something. <laughs> you have to pee in, pee in a cup. 
and then they rush you into your dressing room you get your hands wrapped and that's that's for me that's like that moment where I know okay it's about to go down when I'm sitting in the chair getting my hands wrapped trying to stay relaxed but also knowing okay here we go this is it's about to it's about to be that time that I've been waiting for all these weeks and um I think the most intense workout of the entire fight camp is the one right before you go out. So they they usually don't show it when they show like the camera of you like hitting pads. Usually you don't want to show them too much because they put it on the screen right before you walk out. But when the cameras go away, you're like hitting mean, rah, 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 like, you know, making them hear it. Like in, in Muay Thai, there used to just be a curtain between you and your opponent. So my coach would always be like, all right, let him hear it. And then I got just like screaming with every kick, like making sure my kicks sound really loud. So they're like, oh, no, she's going to try to do that to me. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, the same same energy goes, uh, this, even though we're really far away and they can't hear me. I'm still I'm still doing that. I'm still like, you know, building my confidence by just like hitting as hard as I can imagining punching through their skull you know and then when you walk out it's just that constant um constant affirmations like telling yourself all right let's go time to run this girl over time to time to fuck this bitch up you know like it's my time just you know just like anything to get yourself riled up so so yeah it's like constantly just just willing yourself to do to get in there and just be a monster and that's that's me, the walk out to the cage. And at that point, when you're walking out to the cage, how different is it and how much of an effect does it have on that moment when there's a crowd there and when there's not? You know, I don't really feel the difference. Um, and I feel like when I fight again with a crowd, I, I might change my mind. Yeah. But because uh, it was so long ago, I really don't feel that much of a difference walking out. But it, it does do something. Yeah. Um, like, I think my last crowd fight was in New Zealand um, on the Paul Felder hooker fight. Yeah. And they, because it never comes to New Zealand, they were their first fight of the card. So I think I was like maybe the second or third fight and the crowd was full. Like everyone was there. Everyone was like cheering and everything. So, so it was pretty cool walking out and seeing all those people and they knew my name. They're like screaming, Angela, look at me, look at me. You know, so, so it is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Um, but personally, I feel like all that's a distraction. Like I, I really just want to focus on walking out and telling myself okay time to fuck this girl up time to fuck this girl up. you know like just like just staying focused on the task at hand and not getting too starry-eyed at like oh they love me you know <laughs> <laughs> so um so yeah I, I feel like that's that's maybe the biggest difference but uh what I do hate is after the fight when you walk out that it's always really cool to to finally like see the fans and slap their hands and everything and and they're always like I love you no matter what happened in the fight win lose or whatever like they're just like yeah I love you great fight oh my god so um so that part is probably the part I miss about having fans in the crowd that and when you land something cool they all go oh yeah. <laughs> yes uh, so those are the things that I miss but um but yeah, the crowd can be kind of obnoxious, um, uh, oh, sorry, obnoxious too. So, um, yeah. So it's it's like you know you get you're good and you're bad with it. But yeah, it it is fun. When I heard um, when I was watching the fights recently, I think it was the Florida fights, and like the very first fight, it was like a strawweight fight, and like people were there. It was just like New Zealand, like you know everyone was there because it was the first fight with a crowd and forever and um and like just hearing the crowd go oh my god like that that made me miss having a crowd in there so I feel like when when I fight again with a crowd I'll be like yeah yeah this is this is the real shit like <laughs> I can't remember who that fight was that first fight back on the prelims when there was a crowd them boys that were fighting were throwing as soon as that crowd roared yeah, you could yeah. tell it was like a big injection that it was like whoa I've not heard this for a long time and it it seemed to just absolutely lift the fight mm -hmm. yeah it, it, like 
I don't know. It was like adding sparkles to your TikTok or something. It just like <laughs> makes it prettier. It makes it more cool. <laughs> we we'll have um people listening to this podcast that, that aren't fighters, but I think can, you know, take uh, a lot of inspiration from from stories of, of fighters like overcoming adversity and stuff like that. And and I think from from looking at your uh, career uh, uh, chronologically from after the ultimate fighter you you won your your ufc debut mm-hmm. then unfortunately lost two fights and then were cut from the ufc mm-hmm. and that must have been a really low moment but then from that you were able to pick yourself back up win four fights in invicta including a world title and find your way back to the ufc and i think there's loads of people out there when they hear stories like that are really inspired by that how how did you do that? How how, how do you go? Because I'm assuming that must have been pretty shit, quite yeah. frankly, to be cut. And then, but then to go, no, I'm gonna do this. Mm-hmm. Go on that win streak, beat four women, and, and win a world title as well. How how do you kind of get that that shift in it, mentally? You know, to be able to propel yourself forward. Um, I. I don't know. <laughs> I think I, I just put so much effort into it at that point. And I think being on being on the ultimate fighter, it was a good it was a good it was a good moment where I just knew, okay, you're you're doing the right things. You're in the right spot right now. And if you were getting your ass kicked every day and then you lost two fights in a row then yeah, maybe this isn't for you. But because I was doing so well in the gym, because I knew my potential and, you know, I had really good people behind me. My husband was coaching me at the time. And then I also had just moved out to um, San Diego to work with some new coaches. And everyone was telling me, hey, like you'll get right back in there. You just need a few more wins. They understood that when you got into the UFC, you only had one fight. So uh, aside from my Muay Thai career, I only had one MMA fight and, and it was just a learning curve. Like I had two experienced, two people who were very experienced that I lost to um, Tisha Torres and Rose Namajunas. And, um, and like, once I got cut, I was like, all I have to do is prove to them that I belong in there. So um, that's what I did. <laughs> I proved to them that I belonged in there. Um, my first fight in Invicta, that back when I was still looking at what people were saying about me, um, everyone assumed that I was going to get submitted, that I was going to get knocked out for some reason. Um, people just assumed the worst. They just thought I was shit. And to be able to go into my first fight in Invicta and get a knockout win so quickly, I was just like, yeah, you fucking faces like it was just like such a great feeling and uh, eventually I stopped looking at what people are saying about me online like I was actually looking for it I'm like hmm, googling Angela Hill MMA latest search and I would like look for what people were saying about me um so it was a really good feeling to just like reaffirm like all these things that I already knew about myself like I already knew I belonged there I already knew that I could knock people out but it was just a matter of doing it so having that first fight in Invicta and knocking the girl out and just like really, really proving to myself, like, yeah, you're on the right path. You just got to keep striving, keep working on everything and um, and you'll be there. That was that was a big uh, step towards me getting back into the UFC and just believing that I could, too, because a lot of it, a lot of fighting is confidence. You can be like the worst fighter ever. You go in against the best fighter with tons of confidence and the best fighter has zero confidence. The guy with confidence is going to win because there's all this posturing. You have to like throw it a hit. You can't just like second guess yourself in there. And I feel like um, a lot of my losses were because I was a little too cautious because I was second guessing myself or, or thinking or worried about what happened in the past happening again. And that ended up, allowing the thing to happen that I didn't want to happen, if that makes sense. So, uh, so yeah, just learning how to trust in myself and trust in my, uh, trust in my training, trust in, uh, what the people around me are telling me, like the good things (laughs) and being able to just bring that into the cage with me. So that those are, 
those are probably the big moments, like getting that knockout win and just and just knowing, uh, you know, back on tough. I was be- beating these girls. I was hanging with these girls. So I know with just a little more experience, I'll be beating the girls that I'm actually fighting. What's your relationship like with social media now, Angie? Because we see, we live in a world where, you know, in MMA, we, I mean, obviously in the UK, we, we're seeing, you know, what one of our, you know, more, more, I guess, popular fighters, Darren Till, constantly just throwing everything in the kitchen sink at his social media, calling yeah. out anyone that, you know, he doesn't like that day. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, and we, we obviously we've seen, you know, masters like Connor using it to to build the the profile on that. Is it something that you use at all to to, to build the aside from Angela Hill, the fighter, that you know, yeah. the brand, the, the the you know, the the marketing angle of things? Is it something? What's your relationship with it now? You touched upon some trolls and stuff like that earlier, but you know, I just wonder how you approach the whole social media thing now. Um, I've been grinding on social media, but, uh, <laughs> I try, I try to get it out there, but, um, every now and then I'll, I'll look at my husband and I'll just go, I need to post a booty pic. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> they don't care about anything else. <laughs> um, so yeah, I kind of have a love hate relationship with social media, but I do think it's, it's a really uh, unique tool that, that we can use as fighters to just, just stay in people's minds and, and uh, build your brand and all that good stuff. So it is a useful tool. Um, I just, uh, I'm just still figuring out the algorithms, (laughs) but I like it. One of the best things I think I've seen on, on MMA social media in general really was, um, and I wasn't going to bring this idiot up, but you dealt with it so well. Uh, for people that don't know, Stephen A. Smith is a, oh. an annoying man <laughs> on ESPN yeah. that unfortunately came out of a statement along the lines of, I don't like seeing women punch each other in the face mm-hmm. and, and in, in a way kind of denigrating the, the female mixed martial arts. And um, a lot of uh, female uh, mixed martial artists came back at him, rightfully so. But you did it in the best way because um, he... Somehow there was like a leaked uh, him hitting pads, which was horrendous because he threw like some kind of left hook to the hip yeah. and then a terrible <laughs> uppercut constantly. And you and I think your, your husband, Adam, is that right? You, yeah. you put together a parody of that video that was so funny. <laughs> and I recommend anyone going out there and uh, listening to this interview now. Go on your, I think it was on your Twitter. It might have been on your Instagram as well. Yeah, I'm not I think sure, I posted it on can, everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can find it. It's yeah. so, so good and so funny the way that, like, you were like, oh, but this technique hurts. And your husband was like, if it's hurting, yeah, do it more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it was just really, really funny. But it's so annoying that that narrative for some idiots is, is still out there. Mm-hmm. And even though you do exactly the same sport, exactly the same amount of rounds as well, it's not like, some people have an issue with with tennis and how like uh, 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 women will do three sets, but the men will do five. Mm-hmm. You can't say that about MMA. You're like yeah. championship fights and main events are five rounds. It doesn't matter on your gender. Other fights are three rounds. Doesn't matter on your gender. You're doing exactly the same sport, and there's still some idiots out there. I mean, it. Uh, you. I mean, as I say, you dealt with it incredibly well, but it, it must annoy you. To, to oh, a ridiculous yeah. degree. <laughs> it annoys me because he is in such an elevated position. Yes. So him saying that is allowing people who thought it wasn't cool to say, but wanted to say it, it's allowing them to say it now. And it, it just really annoys me. Um, and, you know, if, if that's how you feel, then that's how you feel, whatever. But, like, you can just not watch it. Yeah. You know, like, you don't have to go and tell female fighters that their profession makes you uncomfortable. And, and like, what other, what other profession can you do that in? You know, like, what other profession gets attacked as much as, like, female athletes where you're saying, I don't think, I don't think it's right that you're doing that. Um, especially fighters. I think fighters, I think people are more okay with women like hitting balls than like actually like punching each other in the face or getting hurt. Anything where, where a woman can like get her face messed up, they're like, oh no, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that's the only thing she's good for is looking good, you know? So 
So yeah, it's definitely a backwards way of thinking or just like an old school way of thinking. Yeah. And I have like, I have family who thinks that way. I have like old uncles who think that way. Like, I'm, it's not like I'm surprised by it. It's just that I don't want to hear that on something like ESPN where yeah. they're working so hard to bring equality to the sport and, and uh, just elevate like female voices and, and, you know, treat us like like we should be treated so so yeah i think that was the main reason i was like all right we gotta make fun of this guy <laughs> because oh absolutely yeah and that comment was made i think only just after you the yoania jacek zhang wei li fight which was fight of the year exactly so exactly. like what are you talking about mate yeah it's absolutely ridiculous it's like he can't get past the fact that it's two women in there like he he's yeah. just so focused on that he can't see the brilliance of the of the fight or any other female fight that has happened that just shows like an abundance of skill and technique and uh, just perseverance and toughness. Like it, he, he just doesn't see any of that, but he's made like dumb comments about other, other people's fights, like male fighters mm. fights. And, and he's just been consistent with that. You know, yeah. he's, that's his brand. Is, yes. I'm going to say some dumb shit and everyone's going to get mad about it. You know, so good thing. And he, he's the one that posted that video. Is he? Oh <laughs> so that's God. the best part. He was proud of it. Oh he was God. proud of it. It's like, like my old, uh, my first fight. Like, oh, I'm so proud of this thing. And then you look back at it and you're like, <laughs> probably shouldn't have posted that. Yeah, so. So yeah, he did that to himself. <laughs> well, uh, uh, along those types of lines, we when we've had female fighters on the podcast, we like to try and highlight the kind of additional hurdles that they have to overcome that the male fans may not even be aware of. Because mm. you know, MMA still feels like a very it still feels very male heavy in terms of its fan base. Mm -hmm. And so when we've spoken to, we spoke to uh, Molly McCann and, and, and Joanne Calderwood as well. And Joanne touched on something you mentioned earlier about the difficulty of finding female training partners mm -hmm. and always uh, having to, to spar with men until she moved over to, uh, to, to syndicate MMA. And uh, Molly McCann actually spoke about periods and how that's not something that people consider in terms of like she, when she gets a fight booked, she's checking the calendar immediately because mm. she's someone that can be sick. It can affect the weight cuts. She also said a statistic of like, you're 80% more likely to be injured on the first day of your period than at any other point during a training camp, which, mm. you know, when you're doing a 10 week camp, that's three of those weeks. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> a lot. And the male fighters will never have to deal with that. And the male fans will probably never even consider it. Mm. So are there any hurdles other than those or do you just agree with those that that male fans are probably not aware of that you go well female fighters also have to contend with this on top of it maybe yeah. it's just idiots like Stephen A. Smith I don't know well a lot of uh, MMA fans are single too they don't have girlfriends so, <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that would be good insight to some of the stuff we deal with like the period thing and everything um, I think another thing that we have to do is just like looking good all the time yeah i think the male fighters don't really have to worry about that um but there's a lot of like one one thing i really respect uh uh rose namayunas for is she cut her hair off yes. because she was sick of that pressure you know she was sick of like people just going oh like uh like oh she's so gorgeous blah 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 and she's like you know what i'm gonna cut my hair off because it's in my way in training and this is what i'm focused on and to this day people like if if anyone posts a, a old photo of rose they're like oh my god rose with hair and it's just like dude like just like respect the fact that she doesn't want hair right now <laughs> yeah. like it's getting in her way she doesn't want that shit um and there there is a lot of pressure for female fighters to look a certain way to post booty pics to like get people excited about uh about just the way that they look on top of on top of the way that they fight um so i think i think that's like something that you know i i'm not i'm not like one of those people are like, girls should never post booty pics. But I do understand, like, it's hard for the girls who don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, like the the girls who want the attention, they want they want people to get excited about fighting them. They want promoters to see them, but they don't want to, like, bend over and take a photo on Instagram. Like, I feel for those girls. I know a lot, I train with a lot of them. 
Um, I also train with a lot of them who don't mind, you know, like yeah. half of my friends have OnlyFans accounts. So it's like, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just different. You know, it's something that, uh, you know, male fans and male fighters don't necessarily have to go through or consider. Um, and like the period thing I've heard about that too. Uh, I always wear extra knee pads <laughs> when, when that time comes around, just cause like, I, I think it has something to do with like your ligaments. Wow. I forget the actual thing that it is. I, like I, I should I should read an article about it or something. But uh, like it's easier to get like knee injuries and stuff. Really, when that first day of your period. So I remember someone was talking about a study where like uh, the soccer teams or or football teams. Football, yes, as correct. you guys football, call it. That is yeah. how you call it. <laughs> <laughs> the female football teams, they'll actually take, uh, they'll take that week off because they all sync up. Like that's the other thing. Like all the girls sync up when they're spending so much time together and uh, they'll take that week off and just like focus on uh, rehab so that they don't all get knee injuries, like cutting angles and stuff. Um so yeah, uh, so yeah, I definitely think that's that's a thing, and um, yeah, the training partner thing. That's why I moved out to San Diego after being on Tough. I was like, man, I need some more uh, female training partners because these girls are are a lot tougher than I thought. You know, <laughs> like they're they're strong, they're fast, they they know a lot on the ground. Um, so I went to I went to a few different places to check out the gyms. And ended up landing in San Diego, and I just uh, I had a bunch of teammates, a bunch of female teammates, a bunch of uh, uh, nice weather. <laughs> so it was an easy decision for me, but um, it makes a huge difference. Like it, it really does. Yeah. It is. It, it allows you to be confident, but not overly confident. Like it's it's so it's so disheartening when you learn a new move and then you try it on like the biggest guy in the gym and they just like, (laughs) you know, they just like face smush you away. Like you're like trying to beat up your big brother or something. So when you have someone your size to pick on, then it, then it allows you to really just open up and realize how much cool stuff you can actually do in there. Um, So yeah, that's, that's a big, big uh, help for me is having so many uh, women to train without here. And uh, I'm trying to think, what else could there be? I well, I don't have to go through it because I was married before I started doing MMA. But finding a boyfriend is so hard, or just like just a date <laughs> seems so hard for like just like women who can beat guys up. Like, <laughs> like could you imagine? Like, I don't know, unless that's like your your kink or whatever. It's it must, it's so hard. Like I. I'm always I'm always listening to my friends like dating stories and then eventually like the guy will do something that that just it just sounds like they're intimidated by him or yeah. or they they're scared to speak their mind or or I don't know it's just it just seems hard and then like at the same time you don't really want to date someone that you can beat up either like you wanna, <laughs> you yeah. want to date someone that like can protect you and can make you feel small and cute so uh <laughs> so yeah i feel like it's really hard for uh female fighters to just find find their guy find a guy to go on a date with or or even like get in a long-term relationship with so yeah i kind of looked out yeah majority of the time you do seem to see female fighters with a coach or mm-hmm. another fighter or yeah. something like that. It's, I mean, maybe, obviously, maybe we wouldn't be aware of the female fighters that are dating an accountant, but, you know, <laughs> you are very aware of the ones that are dating coaches and fighters because, obviously, they're all mixing. They're in mm-hmm. the corner and all, all that kind of stuff. But uh, one, one of the other pressures that, that you personally have to deal with more so than others is that you are the first, correct me if I'm wrong, African-American uh, uh, female fighter in the UFC. Yeah. And that, do, can you take inspiration and, and, and motivation from that? Or, you know, because you, you didn't ask to be the first uh, African-American female fighter. This is something that's just happened to you. And so, so is it a case of being able to take motivation from it? Or is there sometimes... A, a, an unwanted pressure on it and are you kind of almost sometimes going i wish people would just go look i'm just an american female fighter the 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 other thing's not not as important as just 
me, Angela Hill, the the fighter? Yeah. Um, it, it, it like depends on the day that you ask me to, yeah. to be honest. Um, because I do get, uh, I do get, um, just criticism for some reason, uh, for, for saying I'm black. Like, really? <laughs> like, they're like, we know, we know. <laughs> it is like, okay, well, <laughs> um, it's, it's just a weird, it's a weird thing right now. Like in America is very tense at the moment mm. and i feel like five years ago it would be more celebrated like hey first african-american woman in the ufc that's a big deal um i feel like now after trump era after like all this division that's happened in the country after all the uh off after black lives matter became like more taboo than like a good thing um it's it's just like been very tense out here and um and the fact that I support Black Lives Matter, the fact that I um, am very left wing, people are just like, like, like MMA is uh, very 50-50, if not 60-40, leaning towards the right. So, um, yes. so I do get a lot of slack if I ever do anything. If there's ever like a headline saying, Angela Hove, uh, first African-American, blah, this is just like, just trolls going going at it in the comments they don't they don't care what it is it's just like bah, we know already quit talking about it she thinks that uh you know the 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 only reason she loses because she's is because uh the ufc is racist and and it's stuff that i've never said but this is like the the thing that i keep seeing where where i'm constantly blocking people this is like the the reason that comes up most often is because people think that I use my blackness as a, a reason to feel like a victim. And it's, it's really unfair. And like, I think that's the only reason some days I'm just like, man, I, like I really wish I didn't have to worry about seeing this kind of opinion about me and anytime someone does a piece on me about that, about being like the first African-American woman in the UFC. But I do think it's it's like a cool accomplishment. I do think uh, yeah, the, the best part about it is that it it um, it just like provides that the diversity for other girls who are watching the UFC and they're like, why why isn't there anyone in there that looks like me? And like I, I had that question when I started Muay Thai I'm like why aren't there any women that look like me doing Muay Thai like this is a cool thing I feel like <laughs> I feel like there should be and uh and I did come across um Miriam Nakamoto who's just like this really awesome Muay Thai fighter she's like half black half Japanese or something and uh and she was just kicking ass in Muay Thai and I'm like oh okay that's cool that's cool it's, it's cool to see someone else doing like this thing that I'm so passionate about and like a lot of times you get people who like they get passionate about something but just because they feel like this isn't a space where they'd be welcomed they shy away from it so like same thing with animation I was like man I, I feel like there's like no black animators out there and then I found a couple and I was just like okay this is this is cool like okay this is something that uh you know it gives you just that little bit of extra motivation to try to do something uh that's a little out of the norm so um so yeah I think I think it is important to be there I'm I'm happy I'm happy to carry the torch you know and be a pioneer in that sense um and you know any anytime I start feeling bombarded by by the trolls and by the people who are uncomfortable about people acknowledging that uh I'll get a message from someone saying oh my daughter looks up to you um oh, like I, I was afraid to to join a gym and then I saw you and I was inspired and these are like uh women from all different backgrounds guys you know like it, it's just like people see me doing something that's kind of weird and they're like okay I can do it too like I I wanted to I see this person doing it uh you know despite like not really seeing anyone else <laughs> doing it and and thriving and yeah, I'm gonna try it out too. We'll see what happens. So I'm I'm happy that I can be that person to like 
give them the nudge, that extra nudge to try something. Because like the second I started doing Muay Thai, my life improved. You know, even if I had stayed an animator, um, my life would have been so much better just because I was being active, because I was uh, becoming more confident and just like uh, being comfortable in my own skin, learning how to move, like all that stuff is just like, it just raises your quality of life. So um, if I can inspire anyone to do that, then I'm happy. Wonderful. Um, Angela, I, I guess you know, we're mindful of time with you. And so just before we sort of start to wrap things up, um, obviously we need to talk about right here and now. And so obviously on May the 8th, you was meant to have fought Amanda. Um, didn't happen on the day. Um, and it's rescheduled now, obviously, uh, for June the 5th, is it? It was rescheduled. But... Oh. Yeah, I just... I just, uh, you know, was talking to my manager and then apparently like she couldn't fight on June 5th because she was still having COVID systems, systems, COVID symptoms that were preventing her to fight. Um, so the fight ended up getting next. But then two days later, I saw a post where she's dancing and saying she's COVID free. So I'm like, like, what? <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> we just canceled the fight because yes so um so yeah I, i'm not sure what's gonna happen with that like maybe maybe we'll get rescheduled one day uh but i don't think it's gonna happen anytime soon um and i'm hoping she doesn't book a fight against someone else because then i'd be really pissed but uh for for now i'm just training i don't have a fight at the moment that must be so frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even imagine. As you say, it's postponed once. You feel like it's going to happen very soon. And then it, it gets postponed again. I mean, obviously, the COVID situation is is crazy and everyone needs all their time to recover. We've seen yeah. a, a bunch of incidents with Shemaev and, and mm-hmm. Leon Edwards and, and, and a few others that, you know, it needs to be taken very, very seriously, even for elite athletes. I mean, we, we've spoken to Alexander Volkanovsky recently and he had a terrible time and ended up in mm-hmm. hospital for yeah. a little while with it. Um, but especially if you're them seeing them having a little dance, <laughs> COVID free, I can't imagine how frustrating that must be. I'm like you better lay down. You better, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have your posts lying down at yeah. least for just you know have some. You know, she could do one of those things where you take the uh, you take the um, the iPhone thing and tape it to your, <laughs> tape it to your body, stick one ear pad up your nose or something like pretend to be hurt still like just for me. Cause I'm, I'm really frustrated right now. Now it's, it's crazy. And uh, you know, it happened to me earlier this year with the Ashley Yoder fight Ugh. and the difference was hers was a false positive and it wasn't her, it was her corner man. So she just came back with a different corner um but then this time it was like rebus and her dad who corners her both got covid and apparently she was having trouble walking having like she she was just like really bad and um and yeah like i i get it like i i got it um when i was scheduled to fight tisha and that's why that fight didn't happen i was supposed to fight her in december and i got it the week before i flew out and i was so upset um and and you do get pretty sick from it but I recovered pretty fast uh luckily um it was just like maybe three three bad days where I couldn't really do much of anything but then afterwards I recovered I didn't feel any um any weariness in my lungs or anything that's like one of the scariest parts of it for an athlete is that your lungs get messed up it could you can almost maybe never recover fully from it um so yeah i was happy that i was good when it came to that uh but yeah we'll we'll see what happens like i I was mad that i saw that post two days after the fight was officially canceled so (laughs) so i just like i just sent the video to to the matchmaker i was like what the fuck (laughs) and and, uh yeah there's i mean who who knows what she's still going through so uh we'll see what happens with that so where does that leave you then? Because you're you're obviously in peak fitness, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh man. 
yeah. twiddling your thumbs in peak fitness. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. But um, one thing I was looking forward to, like taking a reset after the fight, um, and when the fight got postponed, then I I was just thinking, okay, I just need to train a few more weeks, just four more weeks, and then I could take my reset. So when the fight got pushed back again. I was a little relieved. I was, I was just like, you know what? I need to, I need to take a break. I need to rest my knees. I had too many periods, <laughs> no rest days. You know? <laughs> so I need, I just need to take a break and just let, uh, let my body heal a little bit because uh, just it, everything about MMA is just, um, just mashing your body up. You know, like going for takedowns, punching each other. Uh, getting hit, uh, landing on the ground in a weird position, grappling next to people who might run into you. Like, there's so many ways to get hurt in fight camp. So that's kind of why I enjoy my short notice fights because I'm training a little more smart. Like, if I feel if I feel messed up, I won't go in. But if I'm in fight camp, I'm doing every session possible. I'm running. I'm I'm going in even when I feel sick or injured. I'm I'm uh, you know trying to train around injuries, and it it's I don't feel like it's the smartest way to train. But at the same time, if you know you're fighting in eight weeks, and someone else is getting ready to fight you in eight weeks, you're training your ass off because you don't want them to be the one that's more prepared. So I like, I like having the short notice fights because of that little voice in my head going, go to, go to training, go to training. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care if your knees hurt, go to training. That voice is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it goes away and I can just train when I feel good. And I end up uh, learning more, outside of camp too because I'm not focused on one person I'm just training to get better and uh and yeah I'll learn tricks that I never would have learned if I was only preparing for Rebus for like two months I'm I'm working on other stuff to help my all-around game so so yeah it's it was kind of a relief just because I could like take a step back I could have a drink I can I can just relax and and um you know uh just garden and play with my dog for a little bit (laughs) and then hopefully hopefully when I get back in there and I'm and I'm getting my sprints back going I'll I'll be able to snatch up another fight or a short notice or an actual fight camp or whatever and I'll be fresh and mentally fresh and physically fresh and ready to go Oh, we can't wait to watch it. Whenever that is, uh, we'll be cheering you on, Angela. You've been absolutely delightful. Thank you so much for giving up your time to talk to us today. It's been an absolute joy. Yes, thank you. And all the best to Adam and the dog as well. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I'll give them. I'll give them your uh, regards. Oh, lovely. (laughs) Thanks loads, Angela. All right, take care, guys. Thank Thank you you so much. Bye Bye. Bye. Well, there you go. Angela, Overkill Hill. What a phenomenal guest. Um, Mate, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It was one of the ones where I just thought, oh, I know that we, we both had more questions to ask, but I mean, I think like she just seemed really caught up for chatting, but it was like, let's not take the piss. We've, 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 we've been going for an hour. Let's like, let's quit while we're on top because this was a really lovely chat. And honestly, we just hope that you've got a fraction of the joy listening to that as, as we did having it because Angela was absolutely delightful. Yeah, what an interesting person as well. The fact that she's like, oh, I, I was an animator working at an animation studio and my husband worked in an art gallery and then we just decided to do a Muay Thai class and then all of a sudden she's few years later she's fighting in the UFC. You, you know, she's in the cage opposite Rose Namajunas and... and and fighting Carla Esparza on tough. I mean, these are two women. Obviously, Rose is the current champion, and and Carla Esparza's recently won what a lot of people thought was a number one contender fight, Mm. and and those two are probably fighting for the belt next, and Angela's fought both of them. Mm. Uh, Yeah, a really, really phenomenal story. Such a, a cool and interesting person, and she seems to have dealt with a lot of the stresses and pressures of that sport, both physically and mentally with such um, 
with such class, yeah. you know, and, and dealt with it incredibly well, dealing with the disappointments of being cut from the UFC and just going, no, I am good enough and showing that mental strength and coming back, winning the Invicta title, then going back to the UFC and getting wins under her belt. Also, the, the pressures of being the first African-American female in the UFC and, and the pressures that that comes to her. And she said that, you know, no, she's not always uh, uh, wanting that pressure and it comes with idiot trolls on Twitter yeah. trying to make trying to project what they think she's feeling about like we, we didn't even get on to the fact that she has had a bunch of split decision losses recently mm. two of which I can think of uh, very recently are against Claudia Gadalia and Michelle Watson you can make very strong arguments that Angela won those fights. Absolutely. Particularly, particularly the Claudia Gadalia one, I think. Um, but both of them, you can make arg arguments that Angela won those fights. And had she won those fights, she'd be on like a six-fight win streak right now. And yeah. she'd probably be looking at potential title contention. It just shows you the fine margins in MMA. And mm. sometimes it's not even you, but the judges and, and how the judges are scoring the fights differently to, to most other people. But, you know, she, she's talking about people that are projecting this uh, idea that she's saying that you know the reason she didn't get the win is because she's black or or, or that the judges are racist and she's never even ever said that yeah so that just shows you the difficulties that that some people have to go through in this world and it's a real real shame but she seems to deal with it with a real smile on her face and class and intelligence and yeah just what a wonderful person absolutely absolutely well before we wrap things up um just finally if you see us on the social media um give us a like love a share and a retweet we're on insta facebook twitter um if you've got fighters that you'd like to hear us chat to then drop us a message um let us know what what your dream fights would be and yeah drop us a message because we're we're on the socials and uh and we're, we're trying to sort of build our our little podcast community and having people like angela hill on can only help that and it's been an absolute joy to be able to sit and and have that conversation that you've just listened to and we really hope that you're enjoying this podcast we're back next time right we are thanks very much for listening guys bye bye, bye. the fuck this bitch out.